Hi, what the hell tech listeners? I'm your host this week, Hayley Levine. This is the podcast where we tackle some of the trending topics, ideas and best practice in health and social care. This week, I'm joined by Lee Davies and Lottie Moore, both from Public Policy Projects. So just a little bit about them. So Lee's worked in the world of healthcare and life sciences for over a decade. Long time, Lee. <laughs> in this time, he ran the largest healthcare exhibition in the country and has since moved on to public policy projects. I'm going to say PPP from now on because it's easier. Absolutely fine. Uh, where he is looking to tackle some of the biggest issues in healthcare, environment, life sciences through better public policy. Lee's always had a passion for building meaningful partnerships and helping organisations drive better outcomes for people. Lottie has worked for PPP for several years and is particularly interested in social justice and health. She joined in January 2021 and has launched several reports on health inequality since then. She also works for Professor Sir Michael Marmot at UCL, leading a network of business engaged or businesses engaged in public health. Outside of work, Lee loves his music and sports. Big American football fan. What's your team? Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, I'm a Chicago Bears. For, the only reason I'm a Chicago Bears is because I love Chicago and I watched it while I was there. So I'm the Windy a fan. City. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was freezing, absolutely freezing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Lee also has a passion for traveling and is keen to add to the list of countries he's been to. Lottie enjoys reading, socialising and running occasionally. <laughs> Don't know why I hate running. <laughs> so welcome to What The Hell Tech. Thank you for joining us. Pleasure to be having here. Us. Yeah. Good, I'm glad you're here. So I want to talk a little bit about PPP, find out a bit more about what you guys do, the important work that you do and the impact that you have on the industry as well. So I'm going to come to you, Lee, first. So Tell me a little bit about PPP. What's it all about? Um, so PPP, um, we've been going for about 25 years as an organisation. Our figurehead, um, kind of our leader, if you like, the Right Honourable Stephen Durrell. Um, the aim of the organisation really is to, to look at public policy and how we can, as an organisation, help shape the future of, of, mm. of policy in specific areas. Um, the main areas that we focus on are healthcare and social care, life sciences and the environment really. Um, and I suppose the, the, the place that we play in, in the kind of the marketplace today is we, we, we convene people to tackle some of the, the toughest subjects to make sure that, you know, we can produce policies, recommendations, outputs that enable, you know, government, you know, Department of Health, people, organisations you know to, to do their job better I suppose mm -hmm. and, and and you know we, we aren't always the experts but you know what we like to do is convene the experts and the people that you know know about the subjects where we're looking to tackle to give them the platform and, and give them a voice to be able to help shape the, the future of public policy really so yeah it's it's it's, it's an ambitious aim as a business but I think um Yes, steady, steadily and slowly we're starting to make inroads in some of the, the areas that we, we focus on as a business. You said that you, you tackle some of the difficult topics in, in health and social care. What what sort of topics have you been through before? So so some of the some of the issues ranging from women's health issues, you know, you know, things around abortion, contraception, um, in social care, you know, how do how do we you know, that's one of the kind of the, if you can fix the that the fix that one of the holy grails of you know policy right now you know how do you how do you give people lived experience people within the the, the communities that you know we the government and we talk about you know a voice to to be able to say what's right for them um integrated care again another another ho holy grail of you know of, of delivery from from you know dating back probably when i was coming into health and social care so you know for, for, for so for us i mean those those specific areas and just off the top of my head uh, you know are areas that we're, we're tackling and again you can't tackle it you know all at once 
So you have to you have to do it issue by issue, and move the dial slowly and 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 bit by bit because you, you you're not going to change you know these big systems and and the way things have been done in these areas overnight, um, effectively. Mm. So yeah, so that, that that's probably what springs to mind immediately. Yeah, it must be. I can imagine. Obviously, there's that. Well, I say there's that many issues. There's obviously a lot of issues that the industry and the sector faces. Um, how you say we have to tackle them one by one because you can't you can't do everything, can you? So how do you look at the issues and go right? This is our priority, and this is what we really need to change right now. I mean, Lottie, do you want to yeah. do you want to take that one? Well, I mean, social care point is interesting. You know, when when Boris Johnson was elected, he said you know his big maiden speech, "I'm going to fix social care." you know, we're two years on and he was clearly busy doing other things like partying. But, you know, <laughs> we, it, that's a challenge, right? You know, yeah. and that's a challenge for us because how can we facilitate that? You know, there has been a social care crisis in this country for, you know, decades and it's it's at breaking point. So there is a, there is a real demand right there for public policy, but it, it's urgent, right? And I think, again... Um, so, you know, social care is one issue. Health inequalities, you know, for the first time last year, uh, life, de- life expectancy is declining now in the UK, you know, for the, in the first time in a, in a hundred years. So that's another urgent issue. Um, and I think that's how you prioritise. Um, and the pandemic is interesting because it has suddenly um, really, really then honed in on what the priorities need to be. Because before that point, you know, I don't think people necessarily were aware of what public health was and that's a lot of what we do is 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 kind of population health public health um and i'd say again you know the kind of integrated care stuff um you know ics is being legislated for in july but it's going to be years and years before that system is is working properly so again how can ppp um help convene um the right people to make the right choices now that will therefore impact you know, patients later down the line. Um, so I think that's probably how, how we prioritise. Hmm. How difficult is it working with, with politicians and, and the government, but also balancing that you want to help, but you also need to keep in mind that the government does have priorities and, like, how does that work? So we, we're independent, so we don't, you know, we don't subscribe to any political agenda. Um, and as Lee mentioned before, everything we do is evidence-based. So... My, my my feeling is that if everything you do is based on evidence and you have experts by, you know, uh, experts through academia or experts through experience yeah. in a room, um, you can't go that far wrong in terms of policy, right? It, you know, I, I'm quite confident that the policy that yeah. we produce is more, um, is, 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 is stronger because it's evidence-based rather than subscribing to a, a particular ideology. I don't know whether you'd you'd add to that in terms of how we, you know, we work kind of in the wider sphere. No, I, I agree. And I think, you know, in, in the space that we operate in, I think it is about, you know, developing policy that ultimately has, you know, better outcomes for people for, for you know, getting a diagnosis for a disease, you know, better once you've been diagnosed, how do you, you know, how do you 
find treatments, you know, if there isn't a cure, how do you manage, you know, manage those things when, you know, when mm. you've, you know, you come through the system. So I think, you know, we're, we are, are, our heart, I suppose, you know, as an organisation in the, in the policy areas that we operate in is in the right place. So, so as Lottie said, is, you know, as long as we're convening the people, you know, that are, are impactful and matter to whatever area we're looking to, to talk mm-hmm. about and, you know, create policy for, um, we're on the right track. Um, and, you know, we'll probably touch on it in a, in a bit, but, you know, that's how we, we look to find partners, you know, commercial partners, industry partners, you know, that almost see that value proposition and, and want to, you know, join a movement, in, in terms of changing that that policy and that landscape because lots of the time you know you can't change policies without you know industry you know commercial businesses you know third mm-hmm. sector you know the providers that you know that, that operate in the system so w- we just operate in this middle ground space that that looks to connect all these you know disparate organizations and groups that that actually when you bring them together actually you find that there's some seriously you know strong common ground mm-hmm. and there isn't always a consensus and you'll never get that but the idea is to you know to find the, 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 the strands that people can agree on and how once agreed we can you know move forward you know you know better better public policy but ultimately just better delivery of care for mm. you know people and you know the, in society predominantly obviously in the UK. Yeah I think we've been working with PPP for around six months now um, so the whole of Radar Healthcare lots of different people in our organisation have been getting involved in some of these groups and kind of and what I've loved the most is how open and how how non-judgmental these conversations are so you know that you've you've got forums where you can sit in and and discuss the challenges and you've you don't just have the industry you have patients you have people that look after patients you have i think i was sat on one and there was a a parent of a patient and it's just so good to to be able to have an impact on those people with those those stories and you know we've loved kind of being involved in this so far because i feel like we are able to kind of make an impact and influence some of those discussions and bring in our expertise as well. And I think it's just a really nice, nice thing that you're doing. Thank you. So, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Lottie, policy analyst, what does a day look like for you? Um, well, every day is different. But <laughs> I was like in a good way. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of what we do, so we, you know, as well as health and social care, we work life sciences and also environment and, and the climate. So, I think a lot of what we do is, is I suppose, um, kind of going, kind of brainstorming as a group. You know, there's a lot of kind of creativity. You know, what what did you, you know, read on the news this morning that, that made you think, oh, that, that, you know, that's a problem. What are we going to do? Well, how can we do something about that? You know, is there is there an appetite for that? And then I think as well, when you, you know, you're actually delivering policy, you're creating these policies, you know, it's a lot of research, you know writing stuff I often sort of I hold myself up in a coffee shop and put my out of office on because <laughs> at some point you know you've got to write you've got to write the reports and and produce the kind of outputs um so I think yeah every day every day is different and there's a lot of networking there's meeting people there's um you know it, it, we've been talking about convening where you know how do you know you're convening the right people you could go find them you could talk to them you know so I think you know there's networking and and it's a very very um a really sociable job <laughs> that's good that's what you want isn't it you don't want to be locked in a room on your own no. just <laughs> trying to figure out life we don't do that at ppp just to, just yeah. to be clear <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so coming back to um the way you prioritize policies and, and kind of decide what the best approach is for you what what does success look like what's a good policy how do you work through that that's a, it's a big big question probably yeah. to, to answer do you want to start and then i can i yeah. take over when um, I formulate some thoughts. I think you like 
you only start doing, you know, we only take this stuff on because we do want to make a difference. But I think it would be, it would be wrong to assume that the government is the only audience that we want to influence. That's not true. Um, you know, for example, with our ICS Futures series that we're launching, you know, we're bringing ICS leaders together because we want, ultimately, they're the decision makers at the moment, or whether they will be. Mm-hmm. Um, so how can we create discussions that, that, that impact the way that they work going forward? Um, so, and ultimately, then, it, it's making a difference to people's lives. You know, with health inequality, for example, which is, you know, my, my kind of like, like super interest um, is ultimately, you know, it, it's, it's, not, it's not right that a baby born in um, Gateshead will live 15 years less than a baby born in Guildford. That's mm-hmm. not okay. So I want to do something that, that ultimately reduces that statistic, which might seem idealistic, but you don't go into a kind of policy role. You know, policies, if they are right and good, they can change lives. And I think that's ultimately why I kind of get out of bed in the morning, what success looks like for me at PPP. Yeah, and I think, I think you know, my background, you know, I didn't come from the policy landscape and, you know, my understanding and develop, I've developed a, and formed my own ideas about what good policy looks like. And there are policies that are, are driven at government level, you know, trying to pass legislation. But, you know, that takes a long time to be able to, yeah. to, to get those those dials to move. But for, 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 for me, you know, there's this policy that from an organisational perspective, what can organisations to do, businesses do, to to, to be enhance the the lives and and mm-hmm. you know and and what people can you know the health outcomes I suppose you know our health inequalities work. We have a program around what businesses can do, you know, and that's not aimed at the NHS per se, but what can you know businesses anchor institutions as in, as employers, you know, what can they look out for to make sure that their staff, their employees, mm-hmm. you know, that, that they're not suffering from health inequity, and how can they intervene as a business, as a, as a, as a, as a you know as a as a kind of employer to you know to to, to help you know the system because actually if they could do that, the burden on social care, the burden on you know the NHS NHS will be reduced if we can change the role of the business and get businesses yeah. and you know lots of businesses have you know people and culture directors now and, mm-hmm. and that's the right route to go down because if you can take care of your employees you know you know they can actually go to a GP appointment you know actually that how can we create policy just within that framework to be able to you know to you know to help the, the outcomes of the, the people and that you know the, the patients that you know the NHS has to has to has to speak to and, and deal with. There's so many there's so much that you guys can do and it's this there's just such a huge impact that you could have but I can imagine it's such a big beast like where do you go who do you talk to how do you get the policies put like approved what does what does the process look like for that yeah I mean that's a really interesting question you know there's not really a standard formula Mm. everything's very different depending on what the topic is and also what the time frame is so I suppose our, our we go to the, we start right at the beginning. Um, it's it's looking at what you know from a I suppose a, a wider societal perspective. You know, is is what's going on in the world? Um, is there a gap? Is there a niche that's not being filled that we could fill? And then I guess it's you know it's it's finding the appetite for that. Yeah. You know, commercially as well. You know. Mm-hmm people, businesses that genuinely, you know, care about the agenda and want to get involved, that's really important. And then I think, you know, we start by then, you know, looking and scoping and finding people. And then, you know, as you've been on our roundtable sessions, you know, bringing those people together in a virtual room or a physical room, but, you know, that we were saying earlier, actually, how amazing that um, 
the sort of virtual world can be in terms of, you know, we've got people dialing into most of our sessions like entirely internationally, which you just wouldn't have done two years ago, really. Yeah. Um, and therefore, the kind of scope of what you can do is is much greater. And then I think, as I said earlier, there is the, the kind of collating all of that data into a document that is really, really clear. So ultimately, whoever you're trying to influence, you know, whoever, whatever change we, 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 we've, we've found that is, is, is evidence-based and is right, the, the person doesn't have to do the work because we've already done it. Do you see what I mean? I think that's yeah. that's really key. Yeah. Yeah. And just, just, I mean, just to add, I mean, some policy areas are years away of changing but some policy areas are so live you know so we have to be quite reactive at points to you know if, if we see you know a piece a piece of you know something comes with the news we have to react you know to to it there and then um because actually you know policy moves quite quickly in some if the demand's there and obviously covid i suppose you know going back to march 2020 you know it moved the dials on so many different things and obviously you know radar work in the health tech space and now the adoption of technology you know it, it you know it exasperated you know the adoption of of, of what yeah. once really hard sometimes hard to you know you know you know adopt products or services and and now actually policy moved quickly because there was a demand there was a need and there was no other option but to move with the with the with the, with the way of the world whereas if that hadn't happened you know we'd still be stuck in some of the the older structures systems technologies that you know were still being used but you know sometimes policy moves so fast because of a, a an issue of a pandemic that that you know you just we as an organization would would you know track that and move along with that because otherwise we wouldn't be a good policy institute if we didn't <laughs> true do you find that a lot where um is kind of no other option and people have to uptake it has to happen no i th- I, th- I, th- I think covid was just it's a, a it was a one-off you know <laughs> yeah. i think but i think you know the lessons learned will enable you know future programs future you know technologies future ways of working delivering care to, to get better mm-hmm. and so you know the example will be different but you know i think there is a there is a you know there's a real appetite now for, for people that actually change can happen you know, um, um, and now we have a test case of what a, a huge transformational piece, you know, that, that tr- transformed the way the entire world works. You know, we were talking on the train up to today about teams and, you know, two years ago, I just had a, you know, a phone and a headset. You know, now all of my meetings, all of my telephone calls, you know, aren't telephone calls, they're, they're, they're Teams meetings, they're Zooms meetings, they're Google Meets for the odd person that uses uses it, you know. It, it's, 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 it's transformed the way we work and I think, you know, that will only continue to change. But in health healthcare, life sciences, it is a bit slower. Um, but, you know, we, we just need to be the champions of the areas we work in um, to, to make sure that we can continue to drive drive changes mm. however small those changes might be um um uh, you know along the way true so partnership director like i said we have really enjoyed working with you guys so far it's been i think it has been a partnership it's not been a a one-way thing at all um what about other organizations like radar healthcare how can they get involved what's open to them how can you how can we make an impact um oh i i, I think th- for me, it's look. We have a, a, a list of areas. You know, I'm not going to you know go, go into it today. But it, rare diseases, oncology, mm-hmm. you know, in life sciences, in social care, in healthcare. I think if you have a you know an ambition as a business to you know to 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 move 
agendas forward you know ultimately a commercial business you know there isn't there is a need to to want to be in the room you know some of these strategic conversations but you know we 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 kind of own the fact that actually you can't move forward without commercial intervention and commercial input you know so 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 if if businesses what haven't have a have a desire to you know have you know strong meaningful conversations then then you know we might not be aligned, you know. There might not be areas we, we we can collaborate on, but you know, if there if 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 there is, then let's have a conversation. And we have a, a list of things that we do, but you know, that's not to say we wouldn't explore other areas. Should should it make a difference and make 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 sense to us as a, as an organisation and business, really? Um, so yeah, so just if if, if you're in this space and you want to learn more, just get in touch. I suppose is, is, mm-hmm. the, is the message. <laughs> I think as well with that one, you know, if, in terms of the the value, that, you know. We need businesses too because they contribute contribute something that, you know, isn't is 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 a, is a much needed perspective. And I think you know, particularly in terms of health and the work that I do, if eighty percent of people are employed in the private sector, it is foolish to think that it is only the responsibility of the public sector to look after that eighty percent. Businesses do have to be in the room. You know, they yeah. do have a role. And I think particularly after COVID again, um, and in terms of health inequality. Businesses are really waking up to that agenda now. And, you know, like you said earlier, you know, how can we look after the health and well-being of our employees? That's a quite a new thing for businesses to be involved in. And I find it really exciting watching yeah. that. And, and, and so just just to add, it's that, you know, it's, it's about job creation, wealth creation. You know, the, the more wealth, the more jobs that are created, the less poverty there is, you know. So for us, you know, bringing that, that business voice to the table is essential because it will only help, you know, on the, on the you know, and support the, the systems that we have, you know, predominantly here in the UK is, 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 is where we operate. But, you know, that that kind of piece for us is quite important. And, and, and it's kind of a common theme, actually, you see, you know, health, health inequalities, we have a programme on it, but, you know, it weaves throughout the entire programme of work that we have, whether we're talking about clinical trials or, you know, access to rare diseases you know underserved populations if we can if we can create more jobs as a as a as a, as a society as, as a country then then you know that that is that the, the positive effects on healthcare and wellness and, and mental health and all of it kind of comes as a as, as 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 a part of that process so so yeah so that's kind of probably what i would i would add to that yeah and i think as well you know Stephen, our chair always says you know if you give someone a friend a home and a job you will do more for their health than you will if you're a doctor in a white coat. In the, you know, the social determinants of health is so important yeah. and actually employment is one of those. Mm-hmm. You know, a massive, um, in, you know, good health is caused by good employment. You know, people want to work in meaningful jobs. People don't want to sit at home all day. <laughs> that stereotype, yeah, I don't believe, is true at all. <laughs> and so actually, you know, it, it, people want to feel like they're making a meaningful contribution to society. And in turn, that affects their health and that improves health outcomes. So, you know, that's particularly the kind of health inequalities agenda and where business is really important is that businesses create those jobs and those jobs do ultimately improve people's lives and improve people's health outcomes. So I think that's particularly within the health work that we do where the role of business is so important. We spoke to Big Ian. I don't know if you've heard of him. Yeah, um, big, big, we've heard of Big, big Ian. Big Ian. I, I think the name I'd speaks for itself, Lottie. Yeah. I'd love to meet him. <laughs> he'll be he'll Great. be he'll be at an event next week. Um, <laughs> Great, I'll just see him. Yeah, yeah. You, big Ian, you can't yeah. miss him. There you go. He's very tall. If you're watching Big Ian. We'll see you next week. Yeah, he's going to be a bouncer as well. That's where he came from. Okay. Um, so he, yeah, we spoke to him, and he said um, there are two types of people in the world: the helped and the helpers. Um, and he said if you if you don't need to be helped 
then you're naturally a helper. Because like you say, people don't want to not help. They want to have an impact. They want to they wanna help and they want to they want to know how to help. And sometimes even it's the smallest things. I think he, he said a quote that is all, will always stick with me. And that was, um, you can't help everyone or something. You can't help the thousands, but you can make an impact on your street. Mm. And I think that's just so lovely because you you don't think sometimes I think when you think about helping it's like I've got to do everything I've got to give loads of money to charity and I've got to stop my life to help people but actually it's the small things and it's the little impacts you can have and like you say just be a friend you don't need to train to be a doctor and give your whole life to it so agreed yeah we should go and chat to him next week (laughs) (laughs) yeah look forward to meeting him yeah very interesting interesting man does a lot of great stuff um so Going back to kind of health and social care, why do you think policy, public policy is so important for, for this industry? Yeah. I mean, I'll start and then I'll yeah, put my yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it's so divisive. I, th- I think, you know, you know, everyone, you know, in their lifetime will need healthcare, mm-hmm. whether that's seeing a GP, whether that's seeing a doctor. And then on the flip side is social care, you know, whether it's, whether, whether it's you know, getting, getting or going into a care home getting you know care at home you know i've had family members you know on all sides of the system so 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 it's it's an area that just it touches everyone at some point even if you even if it doesn't touch you at, at today or this point in time so 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 for me it's that area that if you're never going to fix it you're never going to please everyone but what you can do is you can you can aim and you can set the right you know framework to to, to actually help deliver care across that spectrum um, so for me, that's why we, you know, have a focus on it. And I, I've, you know, spent, a, a, you know, a, most of my very, you know, short career in this space because it is, it is meaningful. You know, mm-hmm. yes, it's a job and it pays the bills, but, but you know, having conversations and being in rooms where people are trying to make a difference, it just, it just enables us to have a, you know, you know, me personally, a bit more of a meaningful purpose to, yeah. to, 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 you know, the work that I do. And you know, you can ho- hopefully, you know, see the passion, you know, in, in the work that we do and how we present ourselves as, as people, because, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's, if we can fix it, then, you know, mum, granddad, granddad, you know, the, the, their, their lives might be a little bit more comfortable, you know, when, when, whenever they need the, the, the services, you know, that, you know, genuinely the NHS can, the NHS and social care can provide for them. So, that's I th- yeah, no, I think, I think the NHS is interesting as well, because, you know, a lot of our work is international and I think you know the NHS has this sort of national unifying body you know we see health in this country as a right you know we have a right to good health internationally that's just Mm -hmm. not the case you know health is a luxury and that's why you need public policy because until you know everyone has health and they see it as a right not a luxury then I don't see I don't think we'll ever be out of a job because you know that's why you need public policy um and, and even within the UK, you know... Don't say that, Lottie, we might, you know. Yeah, if, we fix, if we fix social care, we might. <laughs> no, no, no. But, you know, within, within the UK, you know, we need... Um, again, access is not equitable. So, you know, it, that's why you need public policy. And that's why health is so important. You know, people always say healthy societies are happy societies. And it's true, you know, the, the, they intersect. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's why it's important. Definitely. Has there been any standout moments for, for both of you for where you've done something or you've been involved in a piece of work and you've seen the impact that it's made? I start with you, Lottie. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I know. So we've obviously we've done a women's health project um, and we were convening, group, you know, women, ex- women and men, um, experts across the world to discuss 
thing we were talking about contraception um and and i really wanted to you worked we worked really hard to get women with lived experience not just from the uk but you know we we actually had um a medical student uh from ghana on our call and she um joined the call but she had her camera off and she typed into the chat it's not safe for me to talk about this so i'm i'm here and i'm contributing but i can only type wow. and that made me think gosh the scale of this problem mm. <laughs> is totally different uh in in you know in in low middle income countries than it is here and so that really kind of made me think gosh the the, the reach of this work is is, is big yeah wow oh, and me um and for me i think you know um one of my colleagues anna um she she runs a rare diseases mm. program that looks to you know you know to to, it's, it was almost an odyssey if you have a rare disease for some people and patients, you know, to find, you know, a, a, you know, a, a diagnosis for what, what you have. And, and, and ultimately, obviously, rare diseases typically don't have cures. Mm. But what we've done as part of our work is create a patient group that, that sits alongside our industry, you know, industry colleagues, I suppose. Um, and from that patient group, we've, we've now connected parents, people that, you know, have rare diseases in their in their families, their sons, their daughters, and, and some of them have become friends and have been able to have this almost support group, you know, for, through this this experience of, you know, creating a, a better public policy for for rare disease diagnosis effectively. So so sometimes for us, you know, that wasn't on purpose. It was it was by accident. But, you know, but sometimes, you know, that that has helped a, a few individuals actually have a support network for for people to, to you know who are going through something similar and, and trying to mm-hmm. navigate their way through what is an absolute minefield and challenge to to, to you know to, to to comprehend I suppose of, of, of you know because 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 you know they just didn't have anywhere else to go but we in our convening you know power I suppose just and then we had a, a comment back from the, the you know the the Tim now become really good friends so for us and that's one thing you know I've only been here I've been in less than a year but for me that's a standout moment because it's not just about the business the organizations the NHS but what what we're doing for you know for hopefully people who are you know we're trying to ultimately serve so yeah that's mm. that's, that's that's me how do how do those kind of situations make you feel when you see things like that and when you when the press picks it up and you you know you how how do you feel you must be proud well, no, yeah, I mean, I think with women's health, I, I felt quite emotional because a lot of the stuff that we're talking about, I could recognise in my own life. And with health inequalities, you know, I come at life from a, a multiplicity of, of advantages, you know, I'm white, I'm straight and middle class. So I don't, I'm not, I don't experience health inequality per se. With women's health, there were, we were talking about situations where I thought, oh, yeah, I've, I've, I've had that problem, you know. And I haven't really considered that that was ever a problem before. Mm. And I've thought, gosh, yeah, you know, my, you know, my friends have been heckled when they've had to get an abortion by anti-abortion activists. And so I, when we produced that piece of work, I, I felt quite emotional because I felt I was sort of very personally affected by it. Um, and I hadn't had that before particularly mm. because, you know, I, you know, luckily I hadn't, but yeah. Yeah, I think it's actually quite common, isn't it? I saw a woman on uh, LinkedIn, she's a, a TV doctor, and she was talking about health inequalities for women and how women don't get the same kind of healthcare. And actually, I think I can't remember the exact percentage, but the percentage of um, women that can't get the answers that they need is significant. Mm. Um, and, and you think about you're, you're having a conversation around contraception. Women have to be the contraception. 
you know yeah. when, when you go yeah. to the doctors it's yeah it shouldn't be the case where women have to go through all of this yeah. and it should be an equal thing but you know you as a partner should be able yeah. to have a discussion and say who wants to take the contraception it yeah. shouldn't you know they are there's so many inequalities in it you know it's you know right. i did there was a um a thing a few years ago they produced a male pill and it didn't get through clinical trials because it was too um it just it was it was considered too sort of damaging for the male to kind of go through this the symptoms were too severe what about women i know and i was like well if if the pill had been introduced now you know 60 years ago it's revolutionary <laughs> but they tried to introduce from for men and it didn't get through clinical trials because no sorry no no, no 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 <laughs> no 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 because the symptom men found the symptoms too difficult oh. so you know again it's like, but i think societally i mean it is you know obviously now i work in this space so i get it yeah but i think you know to to, because society's been a certain way for so long, yeah. it, it's changing people's, you know, the way their their brains operate, yeah. and, and how we're trained to think from a, from a man and, and and a woman's standpoint is tough. You know, mm. you, people don't like change, and obviously, you know, no. the status quo for women is obviously not good enough. You know, it needs to improve, it needs to change. But you know, obviously, you know, by and large, from a society perspective, obviously, yeah, men, 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 men aren't as 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 a group probably not willing to make the, the change and obviously I, I say that you know obviously you don't want to group people into the same you know category but you know it, and, until you understand it until you understand why you can change the psychology behind it mm. you know it, it's, it's pretty tough to adjust your mindset yeah you know if you've if you've this is the, yeah. how it's always been it, it's mm. that that's just you know that's just my my view and it's just yeah it's um yeah. It's a challenge I think it's um, yeah no definitely mm. We are in 2022, though. Men need to sort it out. Yeah. <laughs> no, we still step also, our games up. It's internalised by women too, you know. Yeah. So I think, actually, you know, a lot of you know, a lot of female GPs that we I spoke to were like, "God, I didn't know that. You know, I, I didn't know that that wasn't that great. You know, I, I've been yeah. prescribing it wrong for years. You know, <laughs> actually, you don't need to do that check, or you don't need to, you know." And so I think it is internalised by women yeah. as well. So I think like you gender yeah. roles, you played by both. You know. Yeah, it's um, yeah. true. I think women feel, when you think about taboo subjects, I know we're, getting, we're going off topic, but <laughs> it's interesting for our listeners. Um, you think about these topics and women feel nervous to bring things up. And, mm. and a lot of the times, you know, for a woman to go and buy a tampon, I send my boyfriend to go and get mine and he doesn't mind, but a lot of men wouldn't do that no. because it's um, it's embarrassing and, yeah. and then the woman feels embarrassed. Yeah. And if you're at work and you have, to, you have to mention it, it's embarrassing and I yeah. think, you know, it's difficult. It's a difficult situation for both men and women to change mm. their mindset that actually mm. this is a normal, a normal thing. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'll get back on topic yeah, now. No, okay. <laughs> That's great. So um, going back to kind of um, the public policies that you work on. So were there any resources that people can get hold of? Some of our listeners, if they want to find out about new policies or anything that you guys are working on, where can they look? Leave. Yeah, I mean, just 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 head to publicpolicyprojects.com, really. I mean, we have a, a, a library of, you know, reports, policy documents mm. that people can digest, look at, you know, try, try and, you know, get a couple of nuggets to take away back to their day jobs. Um, and that's on everything from, say, healthcare, you know, um, environment, you know, life sciences. Um, so, yeah, just just head on over to, to, to pvp.com and, yeah, you'll be able to hopefully find some tools and sort of that, that can help. You know. Or you can listen to this podcast. Or yes. that is another alternative. <laughs> there you go. We'll be sharing <laughs> it, don't worry. <laughs> so finally, what's next on the agenda for you guys? What's coming up? What's coming up? Um, what's coming up? 
Gosh, <laughs> I mean, we just, we've got some exciting conferences. Yeah, so we have a, we have a, a life sciences conference in November um, in Westminster. We have an environment conference in October that looks at, you know, the, some of the challenges around COP27. Um, we've got a programme um, starting in oncology in the community diagnostic space in June. Um, re- we've got a clinical kind of research project i mean it, it's probably a too much to, to, to go through yeah. today but yeah we're always busy you know it's just it's just it's just constantly kind of just trying to just stay relevant make sure that we're on the pulse when it comes to some of the, the challenges people mm. organizations and sectors facing really yeah can um health and social care organizations or carers or doctors nurses can they just get in touch and yeah 100 yeah we'd really we'd really yeah. really love that Right. Well, what I'll do is um, anyone that's listening to the podcast, I will put some information in there for people to get in touch if you do want to to raise an idea or, or a challenge or just something you want to get involved with, really. So thank you. We have one more question for Ooh. you. So this is a bit of fun. Um, we ask all of our guests that come on the show, um, what is your what the hell tech moment? Now, what this means is tell me a weird and wonderful story that you've experienced in the health and social care world. Now, that could be something that's really, really strange, or it could just be something that's made an impact on your life when you, you know, a really life changing thing that's just a little bit different. So I'm going to come to you, Lee, first. Um, So mine's, I say it's it's a bit strange, but when I first (laughs) downloaded the NHS app and I ordered my first repeat prescription using the app, you're able to see your history of prescriptions, not subscriptions. Um, And I I went back to obviously when I was a child and found the first ever prescription that I I was, I was, I was given as a, I think a a four year old back in 1993. Um, And it was obviously a drug I couldn't pronounce, couldn't, couldn't say, but then I Googled it and it was for head lice. (laughs) (laughs) I can honestly say, you know, all these years later, I am head lice free. <laughs> um, but but I found it's fascinating that you know even thirty yeah. years on, obviously we sometimes say this you know NHS structures we we haven't got the information, the data, but actually I as a, a patient just through logging on yeah. found information on myself nearly thirty years prior. It's wow. crazy, you know. So so for me, yeah. it's, it's I don't work in the system. I you know I can't confess to be a, a health mm. tech expert, but mm. just it was for me just it was it was funny to see. So I immediately sent a screen grab and sent it to my brothers and said. <laughs> Um, you probably would have had it too, to be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think everyone has. Yeah. Had it. <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't have it when you were a child, you weren't living. That's yeah. yeah. <laughs> and what about you, Lottie? So I only had one and I've used it in the other in the Women's Health podcast. <laughs> so um, I would just say I am a massive technophobe. So if there's any way I can avoid using technology, I will. So I'm not really deserving to be on this podcast. Uh, so that's probably my health tech moment, is that I just pick up the phone and I ring my GP rather than going on the app, because I never run my passwords for anything. So, yeah, I'm sorry. Go. Disappointing. <laughs> to be fair, I'm one of those terrible people that has the same password for everything, because there's I no know. way I would remember. But This is yeah. a podcast you probably shouldn't tell people. Yeah, that's true, actually. <laughs> no you might want to edit that bit out at the end. <laughs> No, that's great. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, So next week, we're going to be speaking to Rob Place and Mark Harrison. They work for Radar Healthcare, big advocates for partnership working. Rob supports our partners with training. He's our training manager. And Mark is one of our customer success managers. So I'm sure you'll have come across him at some point. Don't forget to rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions for our guests, for us, for Lee, for Lottie, then please email whatthehealthtech at radarhealthcare.com. Thank you.